Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and as every Sunday has gone so far during this series, I promise you I will get there. But I have a little bit of an introduction I'd like to talk about first before we get into that. And we've been doing a series for several months now, and I keep asking the Lord, when do you want me to stop? When do you want me to stop? And he keeps saying, not yet. So this believer's authority, you may be so tired of seeing the definition of the believer's authority on the screen behind me, and you come come to church, oh, Lord, I pray Pastor Jason is not doing the believer's authority again. Well, guess what? I'm sorry. I listen to what the Lord tells me to preach on, and he's saying to continue to do it, so I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to go do, which means we haven't got it yet, even me. Right? It means we haven't fully got the concept of the believer's authority and what it means in our life and in every area of our life. Until we get it, I don't want to move on. I don't want that just to be, oh, you remember that really good message series we did like somewhere at the end of 2022? I don't know, it's like the believer's I don't really remember. I want this to be so ingrained in us and in this church and this church family that you walk around knowing what the believer's authority is, what it means, how to use it, how to participate with it, every area and aspect of it. And in your life, you're like, you know what? This is something I could take the believer's authority over and begin to pray the scriptures and the verses and the prayers that you've heard us say over and over and over during the series. So am I done with the series yet? No. I know I have at least one more week next week. And then we'll see. I'm going to ask the Lord what we have. We do have a, actually it's not an announcement yet, we have Reverend Jeremy Gall coming on February 12th. So not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Him and uh, his, uh, Jocelyn, Reverend Jocelyn Gall, they will be here. And they're going to share on, on February 12th, which is also the Super Bowl. Yeah, I believe it's the Super Bowl. I'm kidding. Of course I know it's the Super Bowl. I'm a huge football fan. In fact, I'm surprised I'm not holding my football right now, right? So go Eagles. Okay, I, where's Dawn? I, I see Dawn, she's a 49ers fan, so she's not giving me a, any props for that. And then in the AFC, I'm feeling maybe like Kansas City. Okay, we're closer to Ohio, so you guys are being Cincinnati fans. Okay, all right. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. I want, in Mark 16, and you don't have to turn, I have this up on the screen. This has been like kind of the foundational scripture for this series that we've been talking about. It's the Great Commission as written by Mark the Apostle Mark, and, and I want to just read it again just so we have a baseline. It says this, and he said to them, now he's writing what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, 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 we have to believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he, that he did, and that we believe he is that person. He is the one who came as a man, fully God, fully man, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and I tell you what, when you invite Jesus into your life, and you invite Jesus into situations in your life, it transforms everything. And it's not always the way you want it to be transformed. Come on, church, right? You're just like, man, I want to invite Jesus into the situation so that everything goes exactly as I want it to go. Mm, Jesus, I invite you in. As long as, right, and then you give the list of things, as long as it's not too painful, doesn't take too long, 
isn't too complicated, doesn't dig too deep into my life, doesn't have any emotions involved in it at all, right? And we have this list of things, but truly what he does want to be invited in, he wants to transform us. And that's when someone who believes we, we, we need to seek that, inviting him in. And is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Ooh, the gospel message right there. Heavy, amazing, powerful gospel. Verse 17. So that you're a believer. And then it says, these signs will follow those that believe. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe God, who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do, these are the signs that are going to follow you around. Everywhere that you go, there should be these signs following believers. And I ask, keep asking myself, like reflection in the mirror. Do these four or five signs that we're going to just walk through here in just a second, are they following me around? Is it something that's a regular occurrence in my life? Because this is what Jesus says, is those who believe in my name, these things will happen around our lives. And the reason I believe God has not taken us off of this particular topic is because the importance of this is growing day by day by day. The importance of understanding the authority that we have in Jesus and understanding our identity in Jesus. Maybe that's, the next, maybe that's the next message series that we do. But understanding these things is, is becoming, I'm telling you, day after day more and more critical. Because day after day we're getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus' return. And if you read the end of the book... As we get closer and closer and closer to Jesus' return, everything isn't warm and fuzzy all day, every day. There are things that, that will occur. There are storms, there are waves, there are challenges, there are issues, there's persecution. There's all this stuff. You're like, oh my gosh, why? All this has, it has to come for Jesus to come. But he gives us authority and power to navigate and to walk through these things supernaturally more than anybody else would be able to do if they don't have Jesus. It's like there's a game plan, a roadmap that says, here, this believer's authority, and oh yeah, by the way, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, which will whisper to you and tell you, turn left, turn right, go here, buy this, don't do that. Like, we have something supernaturally that can guide us through every single day. And help us through the times that are in today and tomorrow and into the future. These things will follow those who believe in my name. The key. Not your sign. Not what you did. Not your power. Not your strength. Not your ability. Not your wit. Not your fancy words. Not your eloquent speech. Not your Facebook post. Not your social media debate. No, in the name of Jesus, his power, his authority, these things will happen. In my name, they will cast out demons. Do we think that like demons just stopped being active on this earth? No, this is for real. This is real stuff. And we, I'm not going through all that. We've already done this whole series. You can go back and listen to the several weeks we talked about what that looks like. How does that work? And how do we actually do it? They will speak with new tongues. Praise God. I need my tongue renewed every day. <laughs> Amen? Life and death and the power of the tongue. We will speak supernaturally with new tongues, not only in our earthly language, but in a heavenly language. We walk through that. These are signs. They're signs to who? Us, but also to unbelievers. This is part of the gospel message. 
So the reason these signs follow us is not just so we can navigate life a little bit easier, so that we can arrest the attention of the unbeliever. I mean, when we are able to supernaturally walk through something or cast out a demon or lay hands on the sick and they recover, how does someone not take notice to that? Because they, Jesus and what he did were pointing people to Jesus. Verse 18, they will take up serpents. They drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. A supernatural covering and protection by the Lord. And they will lay hands on the sick and they what? will recover. And we did that last week. And so, just as a quick summary, I don't have this up, but signs, what are they? Signs are used to notify people in a direction to go. So these signs that follow us as believers are indicators pointing those who don't know Jesus to Jesus. So this believer is anyone who holds a strong and unwavering belief in the truth of something. This is what a believer is. And I, incur, I challenge you to say, do I truly believe? Do I believe that these signs are even going to follow me? Should they follow me? Where is your heart? God will meet you right where you're at. Where is your heart on these things? Do you truly believe? Do you believe in Jesus? First and foremost, this is where it all stems from. And then authority is a delegated power. So it comes from God to us. It's delegated to us, and it's the right to command and enforce obedience. And the reason why this whole series had started was because I kept praying for something, and nothing would happen. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you continue to pray for this specific thing which I've already given you authority over. And I was like, wait, what? Look, there's nothing wrong with praying, and we need to pray. We understand the power of prayer, and he wants to hear our heart, and we want to cry out to him, even if it's not theologically accurate, I don't care. I don't care. If someone says something theologically incorrect during a prayer, I don't, oop, time out, excuse me. You are praying to Jesus, but really you should be praying to God in the name of Jesus because he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's our intercessor. And if you think theologically the way the right hand works and the power structure at a table, you know, the right... Come on, what are you... No! Someone's heart is crying out, Jesus, I need you, I want you. Help me in this situation, yeah? Come on, guys, this is what we want. We want to cry out to Jesus. He gives us this authority to command and enforce obedience. So I'm not saying don't pray about stuff. What I'm saying is there are scriptures and verses that we can stand on and we can take authority over the list of things that just said. We have authority over demons. The Bible says we have authority over all the power of the enemy. You're like, well, Pastor Jason, I don't know what to do. Just start singing that song we sang this morning. Yeah? He is good. He is good. God is good. And as Pastor Liz said... The enemy goes running, holding his ears, because he can't stand that we are declaring and affirming who God is and his faithfulness and his goodness and the character of God. We need to understand the character of God and who he really is, not what he can do for us. Sid, whatever you were saying, man, that was good. She had that kind of prophetic song. It's not only what you do, but it's who you are. It was something like that. It was better than what I'm saying, probably. That's, what it, that's the essence of it. It's not just what you do or what you can do, but it's who he is. The fundamental truth of who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to get a, our heads wrapped around that and understand that deeply. 
without authority, you have no right to use power. So those who don't believe and don't have the authority delegated to them, you have no right to use the power. And then without power, that's actually from God, our authority is meaningless. We have no ability or strength in our own to produce anything. We, we sing that song, like it, the breath in our lungs. Everybody take a breath for a second. Only because God is sovereign and loves us and cares for us and allows us to breathe a breath right now as we're breathing. Thank you, Lord, for breath. It's meaningless without him. We have no ability or strength in our own to produce anything. Okay, Matthew 18. And here's why I want to talk about this is because I want to talk about this binding and loosening. Binding and loosening. And so we talk about a lot as a church, we like to bind things and loose things. And it's even part of the prayer that I've been doing at the end of every service during the believer's authority. But I, when I read it again, I want to put it in the context in which it is. I don't want to just pull this scripture out and be like, hmm, here's a great scripture I can use for anything all the time whenever I want and just use it. I wanted to understand and look at the context of binding and loosening. And it's in Matthew 18, and I want to start in verse 15. I'm going to read it, and then I'll stop, and I'll make some comments uh, as we go through. It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. So I'm just beginning to talk, we're, talking, we're going to talk about binding and loosening. You're like, Pastor Jason, what on earth are you talking about? We're talking about offenses? We're talking about going to somebody and having some kind of reconciliation? But I thought we were talking about binding and loosening. Well, we're going to get there. But we have to understand there is power, church, in unity. And this is why this verse is put right in between all these other verses. So this whole verse says, basically, if someone sins against you, go and talk to them. Like, actually go and talk to them. No gossip, no judgment, no offense, no anger, hard to do, I get it. Go and check it out. Go look at the situ situation and seek unity. God in his kingdom, the kingdom of God, we talk about the kingdom of God, what he wants so much is he wants us to have faith, he wants us to believe, but he is desperate for us to be in unity with each other. How all these denominations started and all this other stuff happened. You know, I, we're not going to go through the history lesson on how it all happened, but the splits in the church. What he truly wants is unity. And why God wants unity? Because he knows that there is power. This is how he set it up. There is power in unity. So if there's an offense, if there's something that happened, if a brother sinned against you, the very first thing we say, well, we're going to go do the Matthew 18 process, is because, why? Because, yeah, he wants us to reconcile with each other because when we reconcile with each other, there's power in the unity amongst believers. Verse 16. But if he will not hear... Take with you one or two more. And then he says, why? That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And I just stopped there. I was like, wow. The, we've talked about the power of our words. When that, so what's that saying is when two or three or more are in agreement with something, there is power in it. 
Which means if there is disunity or there is something that has severed something, the power of unity is unable to move forward and into that situation. It says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So here's one of the key points for this morning. There is power not in numbers, but in unity. There is power in, it says two or three. God's not like, well, you know, you got to gather about 75 or so to be in complete unity here in order for, like, if, if I asked all of us here, this entire congregation, however many is here today, 100 people or so, whatever it is, and say, hey, guys, I want us all to be in complete unity about who's going to win the football game tonight. We wouldn't be able to do it, right? We'd be, we'd be, we'd be here for the rest. we miss the game because we'd be in some crazy debate all afternoon about who we think is going to win and why Jalen Hurts is better than this or whatever, right? It's not going to prosper us at all. But the Bible clearly says that. It's two. Two or three together. There is power in it. So it's not in the numbers. It's not the world says, you know, bigger is better, right? Bigger is better in a lot of ways. Probably bigger is better in some cases, right? But in general, what God's principle is here is that when two or three are unified, are together, there is power in that unity. For those who are married, when there is unity in marriage, in your home, there is power. There is There is power and authority that begins to take place in your home and with your children. How many of you know or have lived examples, because I'm one of them, where mom says no and dad says yes? Okay, this is is disunity amongst, I'm a facetious example a little bit, but you guys understand what I'm saying, right? They They go to mom first, and depends on your family on growing up, but she's like, hey mom, you know, can I have that lollipop? Be like, no. Dinner is like, you know, in five minutes, so absolutely not. And then the kids go, "Hmm." (laughs) dad's home, I think, right? So then they run over to dad and they say, hey, dad, can I have that lollipop? And And dad's like, in my case, this would be me. Sure, why not? Of course you can have that, right? And they understand there's this disunity there. But if Liz and I came to an agreement and we were unified in there are no treats no snacks, nothing is able to be eaten within 30 minutes before dinner. When they came, no matter where they went, they would begin to understand this, whoo, there is power in this unity. Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't go this way or that way and try to get a different answer. There's power in that unity. That's like a parenting lesson all in of itself, right? That's extra. That's the parenting class. We'll do that later, right? But there is this, this unity that comes when a spouses are unified, when friends are unified. When a, when a child is unified with their parents, there's freedom to discuss and to be open and to share. And when they share, you come together and you begin to have unity amongst each other. And what the Bible says, there is power in that. When we come together and unify, there's actually power in that. Not in the numbers, but in unity. Verse 17, And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So what this is saying is when people are not in unity, there is no power. There is no power when people are not in unity. 
And how do I know that? Because here's where we're going to get into the binding and loosening scripture we've been talking about. Matthew 18, now verse 18. It says, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In heaven. There's a unifying power that when we begin to bind things and loose things, all of heaven, all of heaven's forces, all of heaven's power, the authority of the believer, the power that's backing this authority that we have begins to move as we are in agreement with him, with his word, with what he says. There has to be unity in it. If you try to take authority over something in a, in a non-biblical way or, or authority over a situation that you wanted to resolve in a non-biblical way, there's no authority there because you're going against God. God cannot go against his word. He can't, he can't go against his word. So this unity in verse 18, I believe this is unity with God. When we bind something, when we lose something as a believer... We are becoming in unified with God, and whatever we are loosening and, and binding, which I'll talk about a list of some of those things, we are doing it with heaven's help. With heaven's help. No power on our own, but the powers in the unity first with God. And then verse 19 says this. Again, so now he goes back to what he said earlier, and he, Jesus says, okay, remember what we were talking about? Brothers not getting along. Okay, so you begin to take authority and bind and loose. You have unity with heaven, and heaven's angels are moving. But guess what? It can be even more powerful if this happens. Again, I say to you that if two, just two, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, he just talked about binding and loosening. So that means, yes, we can partner with heaven, we can bind and loose, but if two of you come together and we can be in agreement, we can be in unity with this concerning anything they ask, it will what? Be done. By who? Our Father who is in heaven. Verse 20 says, For if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And when I read that, it just hit me. It said, wait a second. So I have this believer's authority, and I partner with heaven every time I bind and loose something myself. I have this unity with God. But wait a second. This verse is also telling me that I can have, when I have unity with each other, when I have unity with just one other person, it's like an exponential power that comes upon the situation. And when we are hand in hand, unified in binding and loosening something, guess what begins to happen? God does it by, because of his goodness and faithfulness and his power when we are in agreement on something on this earth. It's like, whoa, wait a second, are you kidding me? So, for me, what as a church, what I want us to understand is that the relationships and unity that we have amongst our fellow believers, our church family, are not just good because they're good to have relationships. There is power in those friendships. There is power in that unity. So when Lynn gets up and calls Kim on the phone and they say, hey, you know what, I'm, something's going on and I need you to pray with me. Let's be in agreement together to bind and loose this situation that we have. All of heaven is moving on behalf of them. It's like, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. 
We don't have to do this life alone. We don't have to go about all of this stuff alone. Whether you're a teenager, you can go to your parents. As friends, you can go to your friends. Spouses can come together. It's an amazing thing that we can have unity with one another. So this believer's authority, Sid, if you want to come back up, we're going to close here in a minute. The believer's authority is unity with another believer. It will be done by God the Father. The believer's authority, when in unity with one another, as long as it aligns with the word of God, right? All the stuff we talk about, why, why it doesn't happen sometimes, what we want it to happen, and take all that into context, it will be done by God the Father. That is what that scripture says. And he emphasizes, this is Jesus talking, right? It emphasizes first unity, reconciliation, working together with someone else to resolve differences. And when those differences resolve, when spouses resolve their differences and they stand in unity together and they bind and they lose something, all of heaven is moving on their behalf. So whatever we bind and whatever we loose, what does this actually look like? The context of this scripture, binding means you're tying something up. Something that has run amok in your life. Something that is out of control in your life. We begin to bind it up. And how many of you know sometimes it's hard to tie something up yourself? Right? Everybody ever wrap a Christmas present? Yeah? And you're trying to wrap it and you're doing the, what's it called? The curling ribbon. Okay? I am the curling ribbon finger holder, right? You know how you do the tie and you need that one person to hold that middle because it's like you can't do it on your own or the tie gets off or gets all messed up. You need someone else to be with you to put your finger in that one spot so you can tie that present together. So the same thing goes with binding and loosening. On your own, we have the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit, but there's more power when we're doing it with someone. There's more power when we're doing it together. This binding up, you're no longer allowing it to have control over a situation, over your life. And you say, you go to someone, I encourage you to go to someone. I am having struggles with this situation, and I need your help binding this situation in my life. And you stand in the believer's authority together. And you pray together, and you say, no more in Jesus' name. This situation is bound. And then loosing. Loosing to me means, man, it's like letting something free that has been tied up. Letting something go. It means that something that, was, that needs to be released is released. I remember Brother Hagen, I read it was in one of his books, he had said that he was praying about finances, and he was praying about finance, and he was praying about, I have a need here, I have a need here, I have a need here, Lord help me, Lord help me, Lord help me. And the Lord said, all you have to do is loose the finances, and then stop worrying about them, and let me move. And it's that same situation of, there's something that we have, because of our lack of faith, or whatever it might be, is tied up, and we have to loose it. But when we do that together, there's power in doing it together. So bow your heads with me this morning. There are certain things that need bound. There are certain things that need loosed. I don't have a long list this morning. I'm going to let the Lord lead this list. 
But if you're here this morning and one of these words that I call out resonates with you, I want you to be in agreement with me, in unity with me, that this thing that needs bound up will be bound up. And the thing that needs loosed will be loosed today. Not tomorrow, not in the future, not sometime, maybe it might happen at work, but today. Today. We may not see every evidence of it today, but it is going to be done by our Father who is in heaven, in the spiritual realm. It is done in Jesus' name. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in unity as believers And Father, this morning, we bind up Satan and all his cohorts. We bind him in unity, the power of heaven with us, Father. We bind Satan up. No more can he run loose in our families, in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, in our jobs. We bind him now in the name of Jesus. We bind offense, and we say no longer will offense control my life. We bind that spirit of offense up in Jesus' name. And Father, we bind up disunity, and we say no longer will I let disunity in my life in Jesus' name. And we bind up the spirit of fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus. In unity, we tie them up physically. I just see in the spiritual realm fear and anxiety being just bound up like a, like a rope going around and around and around. And all of us together collectively, we're just passing this rope around. It's getting tighter and tighter around these things so they no longer have control in our lives in Jesus' name. Father, I say to sickness, you are bound in Jesus' name. You no longer have any place in our physical bodies in Jesus' name. Father, today, this morning, we loose unity. We say unity is the norm. Unity is what happens in this church and in this church family. Father, we lose peace. For those who are in desperate need for peace this morning, we lose the spirit of peace to reign on this church, on this congregation, on these people. Father, we lose the finances needed for every person in here. We lose it. We Lord, Father, whatever it is that is stopping them or holding them back, we loose it now in Jesus' name. Let nothing stop their ability, Father God, that as you provide for them to be able to pay the bills that they have. Father, we loose freedom from condemnation this morning. Freedom from condemnation. We bind up the condemnation. We loose the freedom on the other side in Jesus' name. And Father, we lose healing across this entire place. Healing of our bodies, of our hearts, of our minds, of thought patterns that we had that we just don't want to go down those roads anymore. We loose that healing this morning in Jesus' name. 
So we declare, Satan, in the name of Jesus, we bind you. In unity, together, we bind you. For it is written in God's word that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Because, Satan, you are bound, you and all your demonic forces may no longer come against us. You cannot come against our marriages, our kids, our families, our jobs, our businesses, our our finances, our properties in the name of Jesus. Satan, you are bound from us and our families, for we are covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And Satan, you may no longer kill, steal, destroy any of our property in Jesus' name. And Satan, I remind you this morning that you are defeated and we are victorious. And so God, we just give you all the goodness. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We give you all the honor, all the praise. We glorify you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are moving. Heaven is moving on our behalf. Right now, as I pray, Lord, I thank you that heaven is moving. That things that need bound are being bound. Things that need loosed are being loosed in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for it. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. As we close here this morning, we're going to have a couple uh, prayer teams up here. If there's something you want specifically to talk to somebody about and to pray with and be in unity over what we just talked about, there's power in the unity. There's power when two or more come together. So let me just give this benediction for you as we go. I want to read it out of Deuteronomy again. I did it last week, but I just felt, felt so good to read it. I want to read it again. Deuteronomy 28. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Just receive this this morning. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Father, we thank you, Lord. We love you, and we praise you in your precious name. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. There'll be some prayer people up here. And if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. I'll be up here. You can come talk with me.